This is a Woodside Church podcast. How are you this morning? Oh man, such a huge privilege to stand here and be able to share the word of God with you. I've just realized that it's been quite a while and uh, hopefully this morning I'll serve you well. Uh, as Martin said, I'm Temba, Slomoga, married to Vic. We have two kids, Tabo, uh, who is three years old, and then we have uh, Ruth, she's turning six, she's turning seven years old next month. So we've been at Woodside for quite a while, actually, about nine years to ten years. So for, for us, we've been in the United Kingdom for, for a decade. So I was born in the land of South Africa. If you've never been to South Africa, if you go to Mexico, South Africa is <laughs> somewhere around there. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we live in Bedford now. We love this place. Uh, we are here because God has commissioned us to be here. And we, we love this place. Um, and uh, I, I really feel like there's more to do in, the world, in, in, the, in this uh, world of the United Kingdom. And uh, it's to us to be faithful with what God has given to us. Amen? Amen. Now, yeah, we have been going through this series, which we call it uh, God First. I think uh, the main aim of, um, of the series is that uh, God will be first in our lives, but we follow his example, that we look to him in everything that we do. Now, if you're not here last week, Debs, she spoke so powerfully about uh, first help. God being our rock, our helper in times of trouble. I, I want to honor her for being, for being um, uh, uh, honest to us and being vulnerable uh, uh, to us um, in her journey with God. Uh, she and her family uh, face, when she and her family face troubled times. I want to honor her. She spoke so powerfully how God has brought through her family during, during difficult times and everything. Now, this morning we... Uh, looking at first concern. Now, this topic is very close to my heart. And uh, exploring what is close to God's heart. <clears throat> and, uh, and looking at how we can remember and have a, a heart for the poor. So this morning, my message is simple. Yet powerful. God's heart for the poor. Before we understand why we should have first concern uh, um, 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 and capture the glimpse of God's heart for the poor, <clears throat> we need to understand who are the poor. Give a who are the poor? Now, I've, I've done my homework, and Google was quite helpful <laughs> with some statistics. <laughs> so Wikipedia defines... Poverty is a complete lack of basic basics to survive, such as food, clothing, and shelter. Now, since in 2015, the international poverty line was set around uh, $1.90, which is the equivalent of um, £1.45p per, per day, which is about uh, 40, 45 pounds for a month, for a month. So one in ten in when in 10 people in developing regions still lives less than one, $190, $190 uh, uh, 
$1.90 per day. That's, that's amazing. That is so amazing. Now, what does, it, what, what does it look like? And again, we need to understand that uh, poverty, it differs from every country to, to country. The cost of living is different from, any, from country to country. Therefore, the, the, the relative poverty is understood to, to be it's understood to be a lack of a minimum amount of income needed in order to maintain the average standard, living, standard of living in the society which we live in. Relative poverty is often the easiest way to measure the level of poverty in an individual country. While in UK, low income defines as people living on less than 60% on average household income. So, what does, what does poverty look like when a family has to skip more and more meals a day because they have no other option? Having to eat just maize, potato, other starch, other starch for a single meal, others for a single meal to fill up your stomach, when family are forced to sell their productive assets such as livestock and land so that they can afford the mill, when a household lives far from healthcare with no means of uh, getting it, when a basic clean water for drink or cooking is unavailable, having to live in a temporary shelter made with whatever material available in the area, such as mud sticks and plastic, when a proper electricity is outside your reach. Now, I've looked around, thinking to myself, I've lived this. I've lived this. I can give you statistics and everything. The truth is, this was my life. Grew up in South Africa. <laughs> I have experienced poverty, harsh poverty. Going without food, it was a normal thing for me. There's a saying in my language that says, which means, the only way to hide an empty stomach in the night, just go to bed. No one will know that you're hungry when you're sleeping. This is something that we used to tell each other because we knew that we didn't have any, any food in the night. The truth is, you'll go to bed with an empty stomach, then you'll dream about having, eating nice food. <laughs> I'm, just only, I'm not only just sharing statistics here, but I'm sharing my life story. And this is the life of many around the world today. I used to walk to school. <clears throat> now, where I grew up, we, we grew up in, um, uh, in, in the township that I grew up, it's on a hill, which we call it Harrismith. In the winter time, it can be cold. The temperature can go actually below zero. 
And uh, I lived in a shack, a tin. Now, when a tin is cold, you get cold. When a tin is hot, you get hot. For me, those were the harshest uh, condition that I grew up in. At the age of 12, I went to work at the potato farm. Used to dig potatoes with my hands. And the farmer would be just there, making sure that I do my job. That was one of the hardest jobs as a 12 years old to do. I remember I'll go, ho- I'll go home with my back sore. I had some sores in my hands as well, at that age as well. But I had no other option. Poverty. That's what I was living in. I was living in poverty. This was not myself only. Obviously, my brothers and sisters were the same as well, which means I, I lost my, uh, my childhood. I had to grow up quickly to think fast on how to survive every day. Brothers and sisters, poverty is real even today. And uh, when I was in school, in high school, even primary school, our, ta- our schools are built within the township, which means that you can go home when you're hungry during break time. And I knew that there was nothing to eat when I go home. This wasn't myself only, there were other people as well, other kids as well who would go to home knowing that there's no food at all. And you'll come back to school after break, you'll just put a Vaseline in your mouth because you're not proud about who, where you come from. Put a Vaseline in your mouth just to, for people to think that actually you might you have some food or something or you have some meat or something because your mouth will be shining and everything. You try to hide and everything to appear normal amongst everyone else. Because being, being poor is not something that you can be proud of. Now, I spoke to you about uh, the physical poverty that I've experienced at hand at first hand. However, when you look at the Bible, there are many types of poverty that the Bible describes. It can mean those who recognize the need for God and crying out to him for help, which means spiritual poverty. In simple terms, the scripture does recognize that there is spiritual poverty and the financial poverty as well. Spiritual poverty is often linked to isolation, loneliness, mental health issues. We have to recognize that uh, being poor is more than just, just a lack of material. It can sometimes be mental health issues, depression, isolation. And this can be linked to, uh, to abuse. It can also link to violence or crime. When we talk about the spiritual, spiritual poverty. For me, the impact of poverty, it has lost, it, it has done some deep and long-lasting impact in my life. 
For the last few years, the impact of growing up in poverty includes childhood bereavement, abuse, and still having my family in South Africa living in poverty. It has done, <laughs> it has impacted me mentally. Often I see myself through, through the life of my kids. When I was three years old, that's when my dad passed away. Just want to honor the woman who shared about her dad being a faithful father who looked after her for 41 years old. I want to say the same thing as well. When I was seven years old, six years old, my mom, she disappeared. And we only heard that she died in, she died in, uh, in Johannesburg. Last time I saw my mom, she was in a coffin. I don't know what happened to her. Grew up as an orphan. And for the last few years, most particularly last year, I had depression, got diagnosed with mental health. Had some flashbacks in my life. Because when I was young, I suffered a lot of abuse, which I never spoke to anyone about. I left some flashbacks that was withdrawn from people. I will even withdraw from at home. For sure, my wife, she, she's been a rock to my life. And uh, there's many, many times where life was just too much. I couldn't do anything. And sometimes you see me leading worship here, but actually inside, I was dying. It was the impact of poverty that is done in my life when I was young. It was so tough that uh, my wife, she even said to me, Tim, are we going to survive this? I said to her for the first time. I spoke to her for the first time about my, my abuse as a child in the hands of those who had. Because when you're poor, when you don't have anything, people can do whatever they want with you. Mental health, I suffered a lot. I would cry in the night, I wouldn't even, it was hard even for me to sleep and everything. Because my mental health was just, uh, it was tough to kind of like, uh, do anything. I went through counseling, even now I still go through counseling and everything. But thank God that there's men and women who care, men and women who are ready to listen. I want to honor my wife as well for being such a rock in my life as well. And some friends as well who've been, who've been steadfast in my life as well when I was going through, through some hard times as well. Where am I now? God is good. The Bible says even though we were, I walked through the shadow of darkness, we're meant to walk through the shadow of darkness. We can't shy away from uh, from, uh, from hard times. If we go through hard times, that's when healing comes. Yeah. For me, I'm walking through healing at the moment. Yes. Amen? Yes. Apologies there. <laughs> now we are, <clears throat> we are looking at uh, the main passage this morning. This is in Galatians 2, 
Galatians 2, um, uh, 2 verse 10. And uh, the first half of Galatians 2 continues Paul's, continues Paul's plans and, uh, and, good, and, and his good attentions is in his good attention as an apostle. He had, he had, he had um, confirmed with um, other important leaders of early churches that uh, the, Gentiles will not, the Gentiles will not require to, to adopt uh, the Jewish customs in order to obey God. In fact, they should not do so. When the, when the apostle eventually confirmed that uh, the Lord's commission for Paul to go to, to the Gentiles, according to him, they gave him a right, the final right, or they gave him the final request for him not to remember, not, to, not for him to remember the poor. Galatians 3.20 says, they only asked for Paul to remember the poor, and Paul concluded by saying, the very thing I was eager to do. The very thing I was eager to do. Now, it's easy for us to think that uh, the word remember can simply mean the idea of acknowledging or something that we can think about is in mind, something that we can be aware of or we can be aware of the circumstances. We shake our head. Yes, it is so bad that there's many people who are poor, those in town center, those in Bedford Park. It's easy for us to remember and distance ourselves from the situation. We can think about those who are having hardships and acknowledge it and feel sorry for them. Why do we do this? Maybe we feel overwhelming and we don't know where to start. Or it's just, uh, it's just too big a job to do. It can be tempting for us to start lying ourselves and stand distance and observe the situation. Even for me, growing up, in, growing up in, power, in poverty, still having my own family living in poverty today, my brothers and sisters who are still living in poverty today in South Africa, it can be easy for me to, to, uh, to distance myself because it feels painful. It's overwhelming. But the Bible, when it says we must remember the poor, it means something more than that. It means something more than just bringing a matter to mind. I think when the apostles asked Paul to remember the poor, it was not only for Paul to remember the poor time and time again. It was more than that. It was more of a close involvement, a church in action, to do something about it. Paul and the other apostle, they understood that uh, how important this point was to look after the poor. They knew it, that this was important. This was close to God's heart, to look after the poor. Why must we remember the poor? Why do we need to remember the poor? There are many, many references in the Bible, throughout the Bible, when you look closely, they refer to the poor. 
They speak about justice for the poor, caring for those who are less fortunate than yourself, fighting against oppressions, God's protection for the poor, how to rescue and defend the poor and those who are in need. Those who are in need. One of my favorite passages is Psalms, one, Psalms um, is, um, Isaiah 61, which gives us some insights into God's heart for, for the poor and provides the message of hope for the poor. The Spirit of the Lord, Sovereign Lord, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from the darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim, yes, the year of the Lord's favor and, and the day of revengeance of our God and to comfort all those who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on, on them and crown, and crown of beauty instead of ashes, to all of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. I will be called, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord's for display of his splendor. The description in Isaiah is for the role which, which suggests to me that that is more far, that is more, it's not only to remember, but it is an active role, not a passive. But thinking about the poor each and every day and be able to do something about it. It's, it is a commission to bring freedom to the captives and release prisoners from the darkness. Jesus, in his ministry, he modeled this world. He made time for the outcast, for those who are lonely. Jesus, he championed the poor, the nobodies of this world. Jesus made time in reaching out to them. Therefore, it is our role as well as the church, as believers of God, to do the same thing as well. The disciples here, they captured something that is so significant that when they were with Jesus. They saw that Jesus, he cared for the poor, that Jesus loved those who were in need. For them, it was a good example to learn. We need to fight for the poor. We need to raise the poor. Not only that we're looking after the poor to help them, but actually we lift them up. The Bible says in Samuel 2, verse 8, Samuel 2, verse 8, he raised the poor from the dust of he raised the poor from the dust and left the needy from the ashes, from the ash head. He sees them with princesses and has and and, and he has them inherit the thrones of honor. We need to lift the poor in, in the place of honor. It happened to me. I was on, not only being helped to stay where I was, but actually I was lifted. I remember one day, I was at summer camp leading worship, and one of the guys who used to be uh, at King's Arms at that time, actually, he saw me, I was leading worship there. I just finished my FP year. 
I didn't, I didn't even know where to go the next year. I, had, I, had, I didn't even, even have any plans at all. My aim was to go back to, to be a, a, a shepherd. Of course, I used to work at the farm as well to be a shepherd. And uh, as we were leading worship, he, he, he kind of uh, invited me. He asked me if I could lead worship with him. I led worship with him at the, during the time of our summer camp, uh, that week of summer camp. We, we became close and everything. Then he, say, he asked me, he said, oh, what's your plans and everything? And I said to him, no, I, I, actually, I have no plans. I don't know what to do and everything. Then he, he said, me and my wife, we, we used to be in England. We just moved to, um, uh, uh, to South Africa. Do you want to come and stay with us? Which was amazing. Then I went to stay with them in Peter Maris back. Yes, I stayed with them. Yes, I stayed with them. And uh, because I thought to myself, actually, you, you stay with someone, you need to repay them. Do some work in the house. Do some gardening stuff and everything. I started doing that. I remember this, he, he stopped me. He said, Timber, what are you doing? You're part of a family here. You don't need to do this. You're one of us. There are people who do that. You're part of a family here. You don't need to repay me or do anything to me. Just, this is your home as well. We lift the poor. We make them just like us. We don't leave them where they are. Now, it was no surprise that the early church captured the moment for the poverty. When you read Acts, I love Acts because Acts is a church in action. A church doing something in a community. Not a church that is standing for people to come to them. The apostles themselves, they were involved in making sure that uh, the care, the, the, those, who are, those who had nothing, the poor, they're well taken care of. We see a church here. From the leadership, we see passion, compassion from apostles in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, following, and fellowship. All the believers were together. Had, had everything in common. They sold pro- properties, the possession to give to, to, to anyone who had need. To anyone who had need. Every day, they, con- they continued to meet together in the, tem- in the temple court. They broke the bread in their homes and ate together with glad and, sin- and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of, the, of, 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 all of, of all the people. And the Lord added their number daily to those, who, to those who were saved. The Lord added to, me, to them. Now, <clears throat> it is quite easy for us to think that uh, the growth of the church depends on the middle class people. But when you read the Acts, the growth of the church is when the apostles were giving. It was when the apostles were looking after the needy. Brothers and sisters, if they were to say there's a table that needs to be turned in Western churches today, this is a table that needs to be turned. Looking after the poor, making time for the poor, lifting the poor. This is the table that needs to be turned. Looking at Jesus, he was often outrageous to see how the poor were being treated, if the poor were being mistreated. 
Jesus, he was a protector for the poor. It's quite easy for those who are in power to misuse the less fortunate. We as a church, we need to stand against that. We need to be at the forefront of that. A church is a refuge where people run to and they're safe. There's more to do, church. What does it mean to remember the poor? Firstly, we need to allow ourselves to capture God's heart for the poor. We need to study the scriptures and pray that God will help us to have a heart just like he has. It is also important that we have a right attitude towards the poor. We need to have a right attitude towards the poor. Our attitude should be of care, loving, and giving as best, as, as best, in the best possible way. Not having a judgmental attitude. In the society today, we hear harsh words towards the poor, those who don't have anything. We can be harsh sometimes. We use words like, why can't they just get jobs? They're misusing our taxes. Where are the pardons? My, my kids will never do that. The council and the benefits agency, they need to be harsh on these people. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to confirm to the pattern of this world. When the world turns their backs on those who are needy, we love them. We call them. We provide for them. That is why we have food banks every time. That is why we run a lot of courses in this building through Project 41. Sometimes the poor can be closer than you think. When uh, around December time, just before November time, I was um, I was at home, and uh, uh, my neighbor, she she lives on her own. Three years ago, she lost her she she lost her, uh, her husband, and tragic, tragically uh, last year, her. His son was hit, was killed in Milton Kings on a hit and run. She lives on her own now, and she's, she's a widow. And me and my wife, obviously, we, we tried all time to help her as, 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 we, as we could. We're not kind of like a, uh, radical stuff, but simple things. We buy milk for her, and we, we sometimes take the post for her, and we take it to town sometimes, for lifts and everything. That's what we do every time for her. And just before, just before Christmas time, and uh, she, she knocked the door, I was at home, and then uh, I opened the door, she asked if I could take her to town, and I, I took her to town, I said, it's fine. She was so apologetic as well. 
you know, and, um, uh, you know, I saw so I don't want you to disturb you and everything. And I said, no, I'll, t- I'll take you. I'll take you to town. As I was driving, she began to cry in the car. She's an older lady. She, like, oh, she began to cry. She said, tell me, you know what? I don't want to burden you guys. You know, I don't want to offload to you guys. You know, I'm sorry that I'm asking you guys to help each and every time. So, I'm, you know, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said to her, listen, I said to her, I, I, I don't mind. Actually, I said to her, I'll do it. I said to her, I'll do it again and again and again and again and again to her. The Bible says that we should love ourselves as we love our neighbors. The truth is, do you know your neighbors? Behind closed doors, there could be trouble. The question is, who do we know? A life of a Christian should be like a farmer who scattered all the seed. Everywhere we go, we make an impact. We lay down the seed. We plant seed everywhere we go. And sometimes it's good for us to come out of our comfort zones. <clears throat> we live in a culture that says every man for himself. It's a culture that says your space is my space. Sometimes it's quite hard to get into that space. She had to apologize to me. Because our comfort and the space that we created in this culture is hard to get into. It's hard to get into. It's hard to get into. <clears throat> Paul says in, six, in, uh, in, uh, in Galatians 6.10, Paul encourages us to do good to all men, especially to those who belong to a family of believers. Do good to all men. I believe that there's a generation of young men and women who are fatherless, who are crying out for help. All people who don't have any families, sometimes it takes days for them to see someone. They're crying out for us. Brothers and sisters, if we want to see the masses of God swept into the church in our lives and our families, we must remember the poor. We must remember the poor. I'm running out of time. (laughs) We must remember the poor. There's more to do. We need to bless those family of believers, as Paul says. I would suggest this morning, who do you know within the church as well? Maybe there might be someone here who won't have a meal today, who's worried about his meal for the week. It is, it is for us as a believers to get to know each other. If we reach out out of our comfort zones, we will see a need. Our attitude should be of caring and giving.
Now we, we are going to respond to this. And uh, I would say as well that we need to seek every opportunity to bless, to, bless, uh, to bless each other as well as the church, as believers as well. And uh, I want to say this, when I was, uh, when, uh, when, my, uh, when my son got diagnosed with, uh, with epilepsy three years ago, I mean, obviously, the first year it was quite hard for us, because she, she, we went to hospital a couple of times as well, it was a tense year for us. And uh, during the time, and uh, I want to say, God's provision was so amazing that people within this church, they were looking after us. I can only remember a couple of times where there was a, it's a, a, a money that being given to us in an envelope. We don't know who, who did it and everything. It was so specific that says, take your wife out and have some milk. Because those times were difficult for us. We were very, very stressful that time. We didn't even know how to react with times he's got epilepsy. We didn't, we, had, we didn't even know how to react with it. But the provision of people cooked meals and everything, when we are distressed, that is so amazing. I want to say thank you so much for that. And during the time as well, one of our friends at that time, she, she came to us and approached us and said, you know what, I've been praying. I feel like God has asked me to look after Tabo so that you guys can go to work, not to worry about anything. She gave it time to look after, after, our, little, uh, after our boy while Vic went to work and everything. And she said, God will provide everything for me, but I'm going to take some time to look after him. I want to honor her this morning for doing that. We need to be aware of one another. Sometimes it can be easy for us to give, to have a heart for those who are in other nations in Africa and want to provide for them, which is a good thing. But the truth is, poverty can be closer than you think. We need to provide for each other. So how can we get involved? Now, as a, as a Woodside Church, we run a Project Food One. Project Food One is, a, we, is something that we run within the community here. The post, Food One is from the post MK Food One. We do different things uh, 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 within, within a project. We have food bank that we run. And uh, we also have, um, uh, uh, we run courses as well for different things as well here. We also have our moms and toddlers as well over the, over, over the week. And uh, I want to suggest to you that uh, if you want to get involved on Project 31, please speak to Gaynor and Richard. They're the ones who run, who run the project. And uh, offer your time to come and help. I do recognize as well that there are lots of uh, other projects within, uh, within, within, within Bedford that are working towards helping those who are homeless as well. Get involved in the community. Look around and see what's happening around the community and get involved in the community as well. And uh, I will also say that uh, not only that you can support us by giving you time, helping around, 
You can also get involved by giving financially as well. We're going to take a pledge in March for the work that we do here. The money that comes in here, it helps Bedford, it helps the world. We're not only giving to one, but actually the money to give us, it helps us to do a lot of things uh, 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 to, to, to extend the kingdom of God and everything. And we want to do it as a family. When you take a pledge, we want to say that uh, we want to include our kids as well, that we teach them that actually we teach them to be generous as well. My daughter Ruth, she's six years old. She asked me a lot of questions about my upbringing and everything. And I often share with her where I've lived, where I've been, and everything. And, and I'm over, when it comes to food and everything, I'm, I'm overprotective. They said, we need to save some food. We can't just throw things away. Because I knew that I didn't have any food and everything. That's what I explained to her and everything. And this particular day, we were just discussing, you know, about Africa and food, poor and everything. And then uh, throughout the day, she must have been picking up some change in the house. Later on, she had um, a money box with some change in the house and said, Daddy, will this be enough for the kids in Africa? I gave a big hug. <laughs> we can save it. So I want us to say that we're going to do this as a family. We're going to do and give with our friends and family as a community of God in March. I want, to, I, want, I want you to pray on how we can advance the kingdom through our finances. Amen? Amen. Are you with me, church? Yes. Let's stand. Let's pray. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.